you're looking for ways to prioritize your health and fitness, run more efficiently, understand food, and somehow fit it all into a fun and family-centered life, you're in the right place. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. Runners podcast. We are your hosts, Angie and Kevin Brown. And today we are going to be talking about carbo loading. All right. Carbohydrates, the runner's best friend. <laughs> or are they? Well, you know, there's there's the old school philosophy that, uh, that carbohydrates are the best and runners should eat nothing but carbohydrates and spaghetti every single night. Yeah. And where did that come from, Kevin? I, I think the deliciousness of spaghetti every single night. <laughs> yes. I mean, I think it actually started gaining a lot of popularity in like the 70s and 80s. Well, so you've got the, the classic running tale of Bill Rogers. And I mean, he was at the forefront of this whole carbohydrate push. Mm-hmm. They were starting to do some dietary research and realized that carbohydrates are one of the main fuel sources for running. Right. Especially longer running. Well, especially high intensity running too. Right. And I mean, Bill Rogers wasn't just going out there for a weekend jog. I mean, he won Boston repeatedly over right. and So they call him Boston Bill for a reason. <laughs> so like there's the classic picture of him that I, I think was in runner's world surrounded by bags of skittles m&ms and lucky charms because that was his primary diet wow um and i mean those are all carbohydrate sources they are certainly carbohydrate (laughs) sources i mean he was like fresh out of college i think he might even been like right on the cusp of college and they said eat carbohydrates he said okay lucky charms right because sugar is obviously one of the most prominent forms of carbohydrate and it was tasty it was easy to get a lot of it into him very very quickly right and there's that um huge energy bump when you when you consume the sugar like you feel that right away Exactly. And so while everybody realizes we shouldn't just eat candy all day long, there's a lot of runners still out there that have the philosophy of, well, I'm going to run for a long time. So as long as I put some fuel into my body, it's going to work. If it's carbohydrates, great. Here we go. Yeah. And a lot of runners have the mentality of like, I run so I can eat whatever I want. Yes. I, I'm going to go for a three mile run. Give me that box of a dozen donuts. That math doesn't work out. (laughs) Yeah. I love seeing, um, the spread after a 5k race of just bagels and donuts and muffins and cookies and bananas and you know it's like you you just ran for 30 minutes you don't need to have a fourth meal like that it's gonna be okay right so so that was kind of the old school was more um lots and lots of carbohydrate a very carbohydrate rich diet Um, can help to boost running performance. Because it can. There's still research. I mean, there's plenty of research that says carbohydrates are an excellent fuel source. Right. But now there's this whole new school of thinking that... um, Carbohydrates are the devil. Right. (laughs) Right. Which they they are not. Um, But in general, um, a lot of the research that's coming out now is kind of saying that people in general need less carbohydrates. Yes, well, that's a much more rational approach to it. People need less carbohydrates, but most people don't like rational. They just swing 180 degrees the other direction. Right, right. So there's this whole thought philosophy now about using fat as a fuel source and becoming a 
quote unquote fat adapted athlete. Which sounds like an awesome plan. Okay, the the whole idea of fat adapted that you could use the fat on your body to fuel yourself because uh, you got to remind me on on the numbers on this one, but I think you have enough fat on your body that you could run for like the next day and a half. Yeah, you have. I mean, most of us, maybe maybe not some of us, but most <laughs> of us with uh, normal amounts of body fat on our body. Um, do have a lot of, of fat that can sustain you for, for several days. But um, the whole idea of fat adaptation, um, basically you change your eating pattern so that you eat a high-fat diet and you decrease the amount of overall carbohydrates and even protein um, and really focus a lot on fat. And the whole idea behind that is that you allow your body to adapt to using fat as a fuel source instead of constantly looking for glycogen as a, f- a fuel source, um, which comes from the glucose that um, our body creates once we eat a lot of carbohydrates. All right. So the whole idea is basically if you take away the carbohydrates, then your body will search for the other fuel source. You got it. Okay. okay so basically, um, the, the key for that, though, is that you have to allow your body that time to adapt to finding another fuel source. Because if you just say, okay, I'm not going to eat carbohydrates anymore and I'm just going to start eating all, all this fat, like you don't feel good during that initial adaptation phase. Right. You, you've you tried this. You've gone for very much... I have. ...fat-adapted, carb-depleted workouts. Mm-hmm. And, and carb-depleted workouts have a place in, in most workouts. Even if you're eating more of a, a high-carb diet, having a carb-depleted workout is very, very worthwhile. Absolutely. Um, but as far as, you know... Um, fat adaptation goes. I mean, it, it, the main thing that I think that we need to keep in mind as runners, um, is the intensity of the activity. So I think that fat adaptation and and trying to teach your body how to use fat as a fuel source definitely has a place in lower intensity activities because fat can sustain you for longer periods of time. But the pathway in the body where we break down our fat um, to use as fuel is a much slower process than the pathway um, of breaking down carbohydrates. And it also takes more oxygen. So it needs to be done in an environment that is lower intensity so that you're getting enough oxygen and you're allowing your body the time to break those fats down to use them as fuel. All right, so I've done plenty of workouts where it did not feel like I was getting enough oxygen. So basically, if I'm panting, that's probably not the best idea for a a carb-depleted, fat-centric, fat-burning workout. Exactly, because um, the energy pathway in the body that breaks down carbohydrates, it it converts the carbohydrates into glycogen um, and glucose. It actually goes to to glucose first and then it gets stored in the muscles as glycogen. And then when your body needs to access those stores, it breaks down that glycogen and turns it back into energy. And anybody who's gone on a long run and sucked down a little packet of goo in the middle of it knows that burst of energy you almost immediately get from it. Exactly. Yeah. If you you enjoyed, I don't know, some some fat-based food right in the middle of your run, you're probably not going to get that sudden energy spike. The fat burning, it lasts for a while, but the the, uh, the effort level just has to stay at a little bit of a lower level so that your body is able to burn fast enough to still fuel you. Right. So 
adding um, good fats into the diet, I think, is a very good idea. Um, but like I said, fat-adapted training per se, is is not good for every single runner. Um, you know, it the, the research has shown that it is good um, for lower intensity, longer distance things like ultra running and that kind of thing. A lot of ultra runners are kind of converting over to this more fat-centric diet. Right. This is a big push in the, in the like very ultra community that they're not fueling themselves with carbs almost at all. They're going super low carb, very fat centric because their, their pace is so much lower even than a marathon pace. Exactly. So they're running slower, but they're out there for hours and hours (laughs) and hours at a time. I mean, some of these ultra races are 24 hours long or maybe more, right? Or more. So their body needs to be able to just have that slow burn. So for them to to convert over to more of a fat burning, um, teach their body how to be, you know, better at fat burning is is a very good idea. Okay. What about when you're strength training? Now, strength training, you really need a good combination of fat, carbohydrates, and protein because protein is very important for strength training because protein is the building block of muscles. Right. So protein before and after, what are we talking here? Um, definitely after. Um, you don't really need a lot of protein before your workout. I would say that you can um, have a little bit of carbohydrates before your workout. It kind of just depends on what your goal for that workout is, but definitely refueling with, um, both carbohydrates and protein after a strength-based workout is very important to help those muscles rebuild efficiently. Right. And you know, if you, if you spend a whole strength workout breaking all the muscles down, you better put some protein there to help build them back up. Exactly. So, um, kind of along the lines of these, you know, the, the fat, fuel sources. Um, Some good sources of fat that we can, you know, have in our diet include avocado, nuts, seeds, coconut oil, um, olive oil, any kind of nut butter, especially peanut butter. Yeah, peanut butter. (laughs) Almond butter, um, eggs, regular butter. Um, You know, I I, I don't think I've ever really met a runner that doesn't like peanut butter unless they're allergic to it. Unless they're allergic to it. But (laughs) yes, yes. A good option is a spoonful of peanut butter. Right. So, um, so that's kind of the, the new school way of thinking about, you know, adding more fat into the diet. But, you know, like we said, um, carbohydrate loading still has a place. Um, and Kevin, talk a little bit about, you know, when, when is carbohydrate loading, um, before a race still a good idea? All right. So carbohydrate loading is good if you're running long enough. Now, Every time I had a race when I was in high school, the night before, the varsity team would get together and we would have a pasta dinner. Total waste of our time. I mean, it was a fun dinner, but you really only need carbo loading. It was a lot of fun. It was a great time. Yeah. But you really only need to carbo load if your race is going to last more than an hour and a half. Okay. So a typical 5K or even really a 10K, you really don't need to carbohydrate load is what you're saying. Exactly. And I mean, if you're, if you're running really fast, uh, uh, even a half marathon, like the top half marathoners, like elite level half marathoners, they're not, they're not carbo loading. And if they are, they don't need to. Okay. Well, I mean, I think that there's still definitely a place for that, even at the, an elite level, because even the elite marathon and half marathon runners, um, even though they're running very fast, they're still, um, burning through a lot of carbohydrates 
store, you know, stores. Right. But your body is going to store enough. Like they put the number out there at 90 minutes. You, depending on who you are and what your natural stores are, your body has enough like carb based fuel just naturally stored on it for somewhere between an hour, an hour and a half. Okay. So carbo loading is a benefit once you've reached that hour and a half level. Okay. I gotcha. But there's a good way and a bad way to, to carbo load, right? I mean, well, yes, this is also true. It is important that you don't think that carbo loading is exactly what I did back in high school. You can't just have some pasta dinner the night before and call it a day. Right. That's not the, the best way to carbo load. Also, not the same way that Bill Rogers was doing it back in the 70s. It should not be just sugary cereals and candy all day long. That's not going to work. <laughs> okay. So proper carbo loading actually starts with the opposite. It starts with carb depletion. So you hit a workout that's going to last for around an hour, uh, in four to five days out. Okay. You're, it's your final like decent workout that's going to drain your carb stores. Okay. So we're talking about like building up to a race that's going to last 90 minutes or more, basically. Right. If you're building up to like a half marathon or a full marathon, something where you're actually out there racing for at least around an hour and a half, hour 15, if you want to go on the, the low end, carbo loading, it's not going to hurt you at an hour and 15. It just might not have as much benefit. Okay. So about five days before that race, you're going to go on like your last long or hard workout, and that's going to deplete a lot of your carbohydrate stores. Right. I mean, we should do a whole nother set on exactly how that workout should go. We will. But, but there'll be a workout that, that will drain you. And then for like four or five days out, for a few days there, you're going to go low carb where you're only getting about 30% of your calories from carbohydrates. Okay. And then on the last two to three days, it's kind of a gray area, two to three days, you go way big on carbs. Way big. Like, don't mess around. You're talking like <laughs> 80, 90% of your calories should aye, be coming aye, aye. from carbohydrates. That's a lot. I know. It's awesome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like the, I mean, you're going to put on weight then if you're eating 80 to 90% of carbs. You are, but the the 80 90% of your car of your calories are coming from carbs but your calorie total isn't changing all that much okay. and so a lot of the weight that you're actually putting on is just extra water being held in your body hooray and that's obviously one of the benefits of carbs is that they it carbs do hold water weight um, and that's going to help to keep you hydrated for your race and that's also one of the reasons that when people go on these low carb diets they lose so much weight right in the beginning, because so much of it is really just water weight. They just deplete the body of carbs and their body doesn't can't hold on to the water as much. Yeah. I, I swear proper carbo loading is part of what helped me in my last marathon. Yeah. I was holding more water. I just had naturally. Well, and it was such me. a hot day that day too. It was you needed like 90 it. degrees. That's yeah. not okay. Okay. So, um, so, so for four to f like about a week out, you're, you're eating, um, low carb, where the carbs are only about 30% of your diet. And then the, the last two to three days, we're ramping up the carbs to about 80 to 90% of each of the, day, of the daily totals. Um, and then what about the day before the race? All right. So the day before the race, it depends exactly on how well you eat. But it's probably, especially since a lot of these marathons start at like 6 o'clock in the morning, having a late dinner, especially like a big giant plate of pasta late dinner is going to still be sitting heavy the next morning. Yeah, that's probably not going to be the best for your stomach. Like a good suggestion is really have a bigger lunch 
or have a make sure that you can have an earlier dinner. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you're in a destination race, find a restaurant early because yeah. this might get a little tricky to figure out. Okay, and what about the morning of the race? All right, morning of the race. This is your last chance to get in carbs before you actually start racing. Have some breakfast. Plan this out ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Okay, the big one on this one: avoid a high fiber meal. Okay, you don't want you don't want GI problems. You know, forty five minutes in and searching for a bathroom that's not going to work. No, definitely not. So you definitely want to go for something that's easily digestible. Um, so some suggestions that we would have would be oatmeal, sweet potato, yogurt toast with jelly, um, raisins. And whatever it is that you're aiming for, try out beforehand. Yes, that is so important. Don't try a new breakfast on the morning of your race. Mm-hmm. I've actually never tried yogurt on the morning of a race because I've never, I've, I've always been a little wary of all of the dairy that close to a start. Yeah, and, and dairy can definitely cause you know, GI discomfort in some people. True. But I, I know other runners that are like, no, no, no. Yogurt is my go-to morning of breakfast. Exactly. And that's like a huge key that in your training for your half marathon or marathon, you should be trying all of these foods out, on, especially on the days of your long runs. That's like such a great time to try out different foods to kind of see what your body works best with because every single runner is different. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to go too far into how to train for a marathon, but, you know, six weeks out, hit a long run and treat it as though it's a race. Mm-hmm. Eat it correctly, race at the right time, like time it out perfect as though it's a practice race. Right. So, um, like, for example, like breads work for a lot of people, you know, like you, you like to have a bagel. I, I like a bagel with some jelly. That's that's my go-to. It's been my go-to since I was about 15 years old. Right. But, you know, for other people, the gluten in the breads can cause bloating and pro- promote more of that inflammatory state. Right. So one of the new things that I've been practicing, that I've been trying out before heading out for a run is actually sweet potato. So, sweet potato is so delicious. Yeah, it is. It is remarkably delicious. Like... Uh, a plain bagel with some jelly on it. I don't even toast it in the morning. That's just been my go-to breakfast. It's not the tastiest thing in the morning. No. But I've just shoveled it down, and it, I've never had stomach issues with it, so right. I've never tried to change it. Right. But I'm I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking sweet potatoes might be the way to go. Okay. So why don't we talk now about maybe some different carbohydrate varieties that people can try um, to kind of find out what works for you. So perfect. In this whole new low carb craze, there's so many different things out there. There is. And some of them have such fun names. Uh huh. That's true. So basically, um, in the world of carbohydrates, there's, there's several different, you know, categories. Um, so the first would be grains, different types of grains that are out there. Perfect. Let's talk about some nice, delicious white pasta. <laughs> <laughs> oh, white pasta, bread, and rice are not the only options. No. They, they <laughs> They so felt like the only options like 15 years ago. Not even 15, probably even like 5 or 10. Yeah, nowadays there are so many more different um, options on the market now. There's whole grain pastas, whole wheat pastas, there's ancient grains. There's just, there's so much out there now. Right, the ancient grains are are a blast. So um, with the whole grain pastas relative to to white pasta, you you get fewer carbs out of it. You get this beneficial extra fiber when you need it, and you've got omega-6s. Right. Um, 
there are brown rice and white rice are um, excellent carbohydrate sources as well as wild rice. And with wild rice, you actually, um, some of the wild rice have um, an added bonus of some omega-3s in there. One of my favorite carbs, oats, I every morning, big yes. giant bowl. Yes, oats are fabulous. And and now there are a bunch of things out on the market called ancient grains. And these ancient grains um, are great because they give protein, fiber, and a lot of lot more vitamins and minerals. Um, a lot of them are high in vitamin B, zinc, iron, calcium, and, and even the omega-3s again. Um, so there's a lot more nutritional benefits of these ancient grains, um, and they're just fantastic carbohydrate sources for the body. So what are some examples? Plus, they're delicious. They are delicious. You hit up a store, you got all sorts of options. You've got quinoa, which is that funky one that starts with a Q and is still somehow pronounced quinoa. Yes. All right. Amaranth, farro, spelt, millet. What else you got? I don't even know how to pronounce that. Sorghum. Sorghum. Kamut. Or, yeah, I guess it's kamut. Tef and Frika. Frika. That's the best one. Yeah. One, it's delicious. <laughs> and two, it's fun to say. It's like it's buttery and yummy. And two, how do you not want to have Frika? It like is. that's just that's awesome. <laughs> Chicken and Frika for dinner tonight. <laughs> um so yes, so we definitely suggest um definitely trying these these guys out because they're fun. Um, you know, they you can use them just as a, a side dish um, along with whatever protein and vegetables that you're eating for dinner instead of cooking um, potatoes or rice or pasta, you know, use one of these ancient grains instead. All right. And another big overlooked source of carbohydrates is fruits and vegetables. Most people think that the answer has to be pasta. It's not. There's huge, great sources of fruit carbohydrates. Now you got apples and bananas, pears, peaches, grapes, any of the tropical fruits. Yes, those are all typically the highest in carbohydrates um, of all the, the fruit sources. I mean, obviously berries and, and citrus fruits are, are excellent sources as well. They just tend to be lower in carbohydrates than the ones that you just mentioned. Excellent. You also have potatoes, um, both white potatoes and sweet potatoes, um, which not only are delicious, but have lots of fiber, vitamins, minerals, especially if you eat the skin. Yes, eat the skin. Even if you're making mashed potatoes, call them smashed potatoes and whip the skins up in there. They're yummy. (laughs) And white potatoes, if you're not a big fan of sweet potatoes, which we are huge fans of sweet potatoes in this house, but if you're not um, a sweet potato fan, there's lots of different kinds of white potatoes as well. Um, There is the classic russet potato. There's the Yukon gold. There's red potatoes. There's purple potatoes now too. Purple potatoes are fun. And but, kids love them. Yeah, because they're eating something that's purple. Yeah. But you, they're weird because sometimes you cut the purple ones and they're white inside. And sometimes you cut them and they're purple inside. So you got to know what you're getting. Right. Um, and then you also have nuts and seeds available to you. And nuts and seeds tend to be lower in carbohydrates, but they also have a lot of good fat and protein as well as vitamins and minerals, and like those micronutrients that can help to support um, the body, you know, recover after running oh yeah nuts and seeds are a great go-to after a workout grab a handful of nuts or seeds or something Mm -hmm. it's really good for that fat and protein to help build back up yeah and we like to add it to our oatmeal as well both for some added um, nutritional benefit and also just the texture yeah i mean the the amount of things i put into my oatmeal is kind of i don't think we have enough time for that (laughs) so basically you know the key to all of this is really just the quality of the food that you're consuming right you know you 
you have to make sure when you're heading into a race that you you have a plan going into it. You don't want all this low quality, like just super sugary food out there. Especially like on race morning, people get a little nervous. And they're like, oh, well, I'm going to go for a run and this this candy bar is going to help me calm down. And it just, it leads to a gut bomb in the middle of the race. What what the heck is a gut bomb? We've had a, everybody's had a gut bomb before. They fire the gun and you start running and it feels like there's actually like a small bowl ball bouncing up and down inside of your stomach it's terrible yeah um yeah so that's another that's not another aside like a little quick tip before a race is make sure you find a bathroom yes always find the bathroom before the race (laughs) right so you want to avoid that that super high sugar content before a race um just because of GI and intestinal issues during the race. Right. I mean, there's there's good stuff out there. Like a handful of raisins beforehand has plenty of sugar, but that's a handful, not like six handfuls of raisins. Right. That's gonna that's gonna wreck you. Right. So, um, like we you know try to do in in our episodes is how how does this apply to the kind of the rest of our life? Like, all right, we talked about the carbohydrates and all of that as it applies to running. So hopefully you guys have a little bit of a better idea on um, when carbohydrate loading is appropriate and also kind of the a better way to do it. Um, but how does all of this kind of fit into just our normal everyday lives? Well, I think it it fits in as as normal everyday people. There is a time and a place for carbohydrates. Don't treat carbohydrates as though they're the best thing that you could ever eat or the worst thing. There's a time for them. Yes, and I think that that, you know, lately they've just been vilified. Like people are anti-carb. Right. And well, there's good carbs and there's bad carbs. You know, if you fill your entire diet up with white bread, white pasta, and white rice, yeah, maybe that's not the best carb-centric diet. Right. And I think that, you know, typically right now, the standard American diet tends to be very carbocentric and very carb-heavy. And it tends to be filled with not very good quality carbohydrates. Right. And so then people swing the other direction and they say, no, we have to eat like a caveman and they never ate white bread. Like, well, sure, but there are some benefits of, of whole grain pastas and whole grains and various things and, and all of the ancient grains. There's good food out there. Have some fruits and vegetables. Carbohydrates are going to be okay. Yeah. Just make sure you're eating all the good carbs and just don't let them overwhelm your diet um, unless we're talking about the vegetables, in which case I believe that they should be the primary um, thing that you're eating um, as far as vegetables and fruits go. Oh, yeah. You know, so when you start filling your plate, fill it up with the vegetables and then go from there. Right. And yeah, add in the protein and then the, the starches or whatnot. Um, but really, we should all be shooting for a good combination of protein, carbohydrate, and fat in every meal. Right. And realize that every person doesn't need to have the same diet. Absolutely. What works for one does not work for everybody. Which is tricky when there's two different diet profiles within one house. That's true. <laughs> you and I eat very differently and have very different needs. Right. There's there's different training loads. There's just different ways we process carbs. Mm-hmm. Like we just, we eat a little differently. Exactly. Every person has a diet that's best for them, but it's still, it's always a combination of all of your carbs and proteins and fats. Yeah, just in different ratios based on what's going to work best for your body. Um, So the way we kind of tackle it here is we basically make, when we make dinner, we'll make a protein, we will make a carbohydrate, like a, a starch, and then we'll really make a lot of vegetables. So we try to make our meals nowadays like 50% vegetables, I would say. And then, um, 
Kevin and I both kind of eat a different ratio of, of other carbohydrates and, and protein. It, it, the plate starts with a good 50% vegetables on there. And then maybe I take an extra serving of carbohydrates after my first plate is gone. Right. Well, your, your 50% and 25% looks a little bit different as far as the quantity goes. I enjoy mind. food quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. But you would never guess if you looked at him because you're like, what, 5% body fat total? Uh, something like that. <laughs> so anyway... Um, you know, just having having different options available and every person just kind of can use the same, eat the same dinner, eat the same foods, but just take the the ratios that kind of work best for them, I think is a, is a good way to go. That is a great lesson for today. <laughs> All right, guys. So that's what we have for you today. We hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to go to iTunes and subscribe um, to make sure that the new episodes are downloaded automatically to your phone or device when we release those new episodes. And uh, we would really appreciate it if you left us a review. It will help us spread the message to more runners and build the running community. So thanks for spending some time with us today, guys, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you.